0: Okay, hello. (laughs) Hey, what was that for then? (laughs) Right, good, good, good. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, can I ask you to open up to Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 4. I have actually got it on the screen as well. Luke chapter 4, as you can see, we're going to read from verse 31 uh, through to 44. So let's read that together. Uh, It's talking about Jesus. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out in a loud voice, Ha! What have you got to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had uh, any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. In the synagogues of Judea. Let's just pray together. Father, we want to commit again uh, the preaching of the word to you. Thank you that this is your word and we highly value it and honor it because it is your word. Amen. Holy Spirit, would you uh, now come and bring illumination? Uh, to this word as i speak it i'm going to do the small bit lord but i ask for you to do the big bit of speaking to hearts i pray that there would be a change i pray that faith would come i pray that your people would be well equipped i pray they would be fed this morning father let the word of god have a powerful effect on us we pray in jesus name amen amen okay well um What a contrast this passage of Scripture is to the one—the last one we read, which was Jesus' visit to Nazareth. Do you remember we did that two weeks ago? Yeah, a few nods? Yeah, yep, good, good, good. Um, and I think it's so important that we see the contrast between the visit to Nazareth and the visit to Capernaum that we've just read here, that we just need to quickly recap uh, what it was we looked at two weeks ago. So here's a quick recap. So... Um, uh, when Jesus went to Nazareth, that was his hometown, and um, that was the place where he reveals, I think for the first time, his mission, his kind of uh, heaven's agenda. From, uh, He speaks from Isaiah 61, and he says, I'm, come, I'm anointed, I'm here to preach the good news, I'm here to set captives free, blind eyes open, and bring liberty to the oppressed. Good news. Fantastic. He also reveals at this time... Not directly, but he does say this, I am the Messiah. He tells them, I am the Messiah. And despite a favorable start, if you recall, uh, Nazareth, where they marvel at his oratory. Do you remember them doing that? They, oh, yeah, they, they said they marveled at his gracious words dripping out of his mouth. Uh, starts well, but actually it becomes very clear. The people of Nazareth don't believe him. They do not believe that he is the Messiah. In fact, they don't believe he's God at all. They say, you're Joseph's boy, aren't you? You're a man, in other words. You're not God. And then in his great love for them, he totally exposes just how full of unbelief they really are. See, they think of themselves as very respectable, synagogue-going, uh, scripture listening to every week. You know, they're very nice religious people, but, uh, and they think of themselves as descended, we think, from King David. So they would have ticked all the boxes in their own mind. They were there. Yes, a lovely, we are lovely people. Yet Jesus comes along and he says, yeah, lovely but full of unbelief. And he takes the lid off the reality of what's really going on uh, in there. And um, uh, he also explains for that reason, he cannot do miracles in such an unbelieving atmosphere. And in Mark, we see this shocking statement. It says, God was unable to do any mighty miracles in such an unbelieving atmosphere. It's sobering, isn't it? When you think... The atmosphere of the people, the the attitude, the belief system of the people stopped God. (sighs) Wow. Welcome home, eh? Yeah, nice. What have I found at home? Well, boy, it's not good. And they are so angry that Jesus has actually exposed the reality of what it is they really feel, so angry with him that they uh, take him to the top of the cliff on which Nazareth is built and they want to throw him down. They want to kill him. They are furious. Wrath fills them. But it then says Jesus was able somehow to pass through them the protection of God. Do you remember we looked at that? The protection of God. And then tragically, the last line about Nazareth was, this is describing Jesus, he went away. Jesus is forced out of Nazareth. Nazareth says to its own son, if you like, we don't want you. You are not welcome here. Wow, tragic. What a tragic end. To go, imagine going into a church and a group of people saying, God, we don't want you. That's the equivalent. Wow, what's happened here? So Jesus is pushed out. Right, and that's where we left it two weeks ago. Now we've just come into the the passage we've just read. And he now goes to Capernaum where things are totally different. Wow, this is a contrast. This is almost a mirror image contrast. And I think the way that Luke has written this is he wants us to observe that. He's written it, so you see this as the other half to what's just happened. So the visit to Nazareth and the visit to Capernaum. And he's saying, look at the contrast between the two of them. When I was thinking about contrast, I can't resist telling the story. When I was nine, um, and uh, forgive me if I have told you this story before. Do you know I forget which stories I've said, I've told before. So if you all go, ugh, I'll know, I'll know. Uh, but when I, was, when I was nine, I was desperate To move away from black and white TV, because that's the TV we had, everyone had black and white TVs. This this is a long time ago, clearly. Some of you are looking even confused as I'm speaking. (laughs) What is black and white TV? We had a black and white TV, everybody had black and white TVs, and I was at primary school and my friends started to get colour TVs. And I remember thinking, oh, that is magnificent. That is magnificent. So I said to my dad, "Dad, obviously we want to move into the, you know from the 19th century into the 20th, and um, uh, we obviously need to get a color TV, but he wasn't having any of it. He just said, no, we don't need that. That's perfectly all right. It's suited us for the last 250 years. This will carry on uh, for the next. I'm thinking, oh, I don't believe this. So um, if I'm really honest, my devious nine-year-old mind is at work. And I think, right, how can we we (laughs) change this terrible state of affairs? And um, uh, I suddenly had an absolute blinder of an idea because my dad loved that snooker program, pop black. Well, I don't know if you've ever watched snooker on a black and white TV. <laughs> the whole conversation is about what color ball is about to be hit. And there's lots of arguing, and kind of, that's the whole, you know, it's the blue, no, it's not, it's the pink, it's the, and then, and then you wait for that, you know, for the, uh, the um, narrator to say, and he's just potted the blue. And, and everyone would go, yes, I, I see, I told you it was the blue. <laughs> so I said, so I said, look, Think of the arguing it would, uh, it would free up. And also, Dad, think of how it would enhance your favorite program. Yeah. Well, from my memory, it worked. Yeah. It absolutely worked. And uh, sure enough, quite soon we had a new color. And the contrast between black and white and color is vast. That's a very long story, really, just to say, look at the contrast between Nazareth <laughs> and... Caper- Capernaum, it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> yeah. So everything, but everything is kicking off in Capernaum. Uh, when you look at Capernaum, what is happening in Capernaum? Well, deliverance, freedom, healing, miracles, the authority of God is being demonstrated, mission, this mission is being done. Everything that Jesus announced at Nazareth that did not happen is now happening at Capernaum. Boom! I mean, it's just incredible, isn't it? Demons being kicked out and people being instantaneously healed. It's extraordinary. Wow! Look at the contrast uh, between the two. And then I think the contrast uh, is really brought home. Luke brings this uh, very clearly to us by the, the ending so the people of Nazareth said, get out, we hate you. The people of Capernaum are saying, please, will you stay? We love you. It could not be more different. That's why I think it's been written in this way, so that we should see, actually, and therefore we should ask this question. Why is there such a contrast between Nazareth, where nothing happens, and Capernaum, where everything happens? you see what I mean? He's written it that way so that you will ask that question, I believe. Why is there such an open door for God to work in one town when there is such a closed door uh, in the next? And uh, I think we've kind of touched on it already, really, but I think it's important to look at the reaction uh, between the two people. In Nazareth, it says that they marveled at his words, but actually when he started to apply this word to them... When it started to go under the surface, and let's have a look at what you really believe they didn't like it. No, thank you. At Capernaum, it says they were astonished because his words possessed, what? Authority. In other words, what they're saying quickly is, you have authority, we believe in your authority, and we submit to your authority. In other words, what they're saying is, we believe... that. What you're saying. We know Jesus was preaching the gospel. These people believe. And they have come in clearly uh, under what he has said. They have submitted. I think a little bit more than that as well. I think they've had a revelation. Look at that top line. They were all amazed and said to one another. What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. You know, there are moments when suddenly something drops into your heart and you know it's true. You know the difference, don't you, between knowing it in here and when you can say, yes, yes, I can take that off. I know that's true. And then suddenly your heart gets hold of it and you think, ah, I know that this is true. I think that's what just happened to the people of Capernaum. They've just said, we know that this is true. We recognize that this God is not just a man. He is God. And he speaks with authority uh, and power. How do you do on that? Has that dropped into your heart? No one or two of us. <laughs> Remember, the Bible talks about religion as being having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Great temptation for us to slip into a religious mindset to say we'll do the right stuff, but when it actually comes to believing, do you remember when we looked at Zechariah? Do you remember? Yeah. We looked at Zechariah in chapter one and we saw a godly man who couldn't believe. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, for some of us, I believe the revelation of God's power and his authority has to drop into our hearts. I would suggest, graciously I hope, for many of us, that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. We haven't really understood how powerful he is. You see, um, most of us have grown up in the West, haven't we? That really hasn't helped us on this one because the church in the West has largely been full of cynicism and doubt. And we'll look at that a little bit later on. So I've got to ask you some questions. Which town do you live in? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I see you in color. I see you running. Yeah, do you live in Nazareth? Where things can be a bit superficial? Where well, actually, when it comes to the power of God, God doing stuff in your life, healing you. Well, Not so sure. Let me ask you this. Do you think God's word has authority, genuine authority in your life? Now, Now, I know you've given me the right answer there. The answer, of course, is yes. But actually, I think for many of us, this is something that needs to go deeper. This belief that, you see, these folk have seen it and it's gone. They've said, yes, we know it. Now, one of the advantages I think we've had, and I'm very grateful, is that over the last few years as a church, we have begun to see healing, haven't we? Yeah. Think of Gabri- is Gabriella here. No, I, th- I think of her voice being healed. Do you remember? She said it had completely gone, then Anne prayed for her, and it instantly returned. She felt something unwind in her throat. Do you remember Julian and his back? Do you remember Julian? We prayed for Julian's back. He'd been carrying some bags of cement, and for some extraordinary reason, his back went. And... Uh, <laughs> And so we prayed for him and he said, he said he felt like something jerked and then he said he, the pain came out of his back and he said it was completely free. I checked with him a week later and said, how is your back? He said, I've not had an issue with it. I checked with him again recently, so that's a year or so later. How is your back? Fine. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? God's doing stuff among us. Do you remember we prayed for Nigel's shoulder? I checked with him this morning. When did we pray for you? About a, about a year ago. And after a few days, completely went after, what, months? Yeah, some months of pain in the shoulder, pain went, still free. Do you remember when Terry came? Yeah, and he prayed for people, and people were weeping because they felt their legs change and and, and healing happened. We are beginning to see this among us, aren't we? We are beginning to see it. Now, can I just say to you, that gives us the opportunity to observe and believe. We are seeing, a few years ago, that didn't happen generally in most churches. Now, in many churches, this is beginning to happen. Not just us, it's across across the board. Now, we have the opportunity to look at it and say, hang on a minute, I can believe this now. But it does require you, sometimes, to get hold of those people and say, look, can I interrogate you? Would you mind awfully? Get hold of Julian. He'll have masses of people now, won't he? Get of Julian and say, tell me the story. What happened? And if you've got a bit of cynicism that says, well, it's you know, it just going to get right anyway. When he tells you the story, you will think afterwards, no, that wasn't, that wasn't fluke. God did something. Can I suggest to you, you need to see that. Because the atmosphere we come from is one of cynical unbelief that says, nah. So we've got to shift from Nazareth to Capernaum. How are you going to do that? Can I ask you, are you taking advantage of the healings that are coming? Go and talk to these folk. Get the benefits. Squeeze all the juice out of it. There's a phrase. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've got to get to that point, haven't we? Where, like these people, we can say, we know that you have total authority. See, the word of God is very powerful. Yeah. Jesus is described as the word of God, isn't he? Yeah. So here is the word of God, speaking the word of God. What does it say in the beginning, in Genesis? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and he, he spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. See, it's the word of God. As God speaks his word, it's very powerful. There's got to be some understanding and revelation of the power of God. It takes time, but we have the opportunity. And I think we're moving towards it, aren't we? So let's be encouraged about that. But also recognize, if that isn't happening in your life right now, if you have never prayed for someone and seen them healed or never been healed yourself, you might have to say, God, I've got a bit further to go on this yet. Okay, okay, okay. Um, now, look, the other thing that we do have to look at here is we have to look at the whole subject of the demonic because this passage doesn't really let you do anything else, does it? Um, <clears throat> because the bulk of it is, or a good chunk of it, is around this subject. And um, I guess uh, for people at this time, at the, you know, 2,000 years ago, and indeed for big chunks uh, of the uh, rest of the world, this is not a big problem. But for many of us, it is. Because in chapter 4, we have been introduced to the idea of the devil, the reality of the devil, haven't we, through the temptations? And now we are moving into the reality of demons. Well, that's not a conversation to have over the water tower, is it? With people? What do you think about demons? uh... No, we have to, though, acknowledge that despite the fact that our... The, the worldview that we live in does not acknowledge or see or believe in because it has a, it's a materialistic, naturalistic worldview. We have to acknowledge that the Bible talks about these things. Yeah. And are we f- looking to follow Jesus? No. Okay, if we're looking to follow Jesus, what did Jesus do to his disciples when he sent them out? He gave them authority over every kind of sickness and illness and to cast out demons. So do we want to be disciples? Okay, so what's our job then? To preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. That's our job. Who's ever done it? Yeah, not many. Not many. We've got a way to go then, haven't we? We've got a way to go. I just feel the important part of what I've got to do today is say, these are real and we need to do it. I've just got to state that. Uh, You know, for some of you that's obvious. For some of you that's terrifying. But let me just say three things then. Let's not be frightened by this subject Let's not be frightened by it. As we look at the way Jesus handles this, we see that He has total authority over them. And is Jesus frightened by them? No, no, no He is not. Absolutely not. Let's not be frightened by this. And I have to say, uh, because we don't know very much about it, for many of us this is a scary subject. It is, and people say, oh, 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 "Oh, you know, oh dear, what about all that?" No, let's not be frightened by it. The other thing is, we should not ignore it. We must not ignore it because we're commanded as disciples to go and do it. And I think probably that's our biggest failing in this country because uh, I think as Christians we probably come to terms with the idea that we believe in this stuff, but because our background is such, you know, that it's quite materialistic, we just sort of ignore it. We believe it, but we ignore it because you know it's all well. I don't really understand it, and it's all very awkward. <laughs> yeah. Let's not ignore it we can't and then lastly let's not be obsessed by it eh you know it's it really is quite disturbing when you come across people who are obsessed by this and everything is demons you think no it's not no clearly it's not Jesus wants us to be equipped when we encounter it but it really not everything is to do with this there's the world the flesh and the devil you've got way more enemies than just that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Did you know that as Christians, we're called to wrestle? (laughs) When I was a kid, I used to watch um, on Saturday afternoons, here we go again, Um, um, I, I used to watch some wrestling, because it was the only thing to do on a Saturday afternoon, and who remembers? There were two characters. Do you remember Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks? Yeah. Now, I'm sorry, but Giant Haystacks was the baddie, okay? And Big Daddy was the goodie, which meant, of course, Big Daddy always won. Every single time. It's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, and, and a- a- absolutely, they would they would wrestle away and jump on each other, and it was great, you know, theater, really. We are called to wrestle. We are called to wrestle with spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, if we're called to do some wrestling, we've got to know about them. We have. Uh, Now, let me just say, there's lots of material out there on this subject. If you have even begun to look at it, how many of you read a book somewhere down the line on spiritual warfare or this? Yeah. Uh, Can I say an awful lot of it? interesting <laughs> um, yeah some of it is just really out there and it, it takes i think it takes things out of context the very best book we have on this is this one it's dave devinish's book demolishing strongholds Uh, Dave uh, has been on Terry's team since I think the 1970s and he first encountered uh, this subject because he planted a church in Bedford uh, onto a council estate and there was a lot of occultic activity so it meant when people started to get saved they started manifesting all over the place. Now he had no idea what to do at all but had to get involved so he has kind of learnt um, over the years. He is also wonderfully biblically based and I really like the way Dave thinks he, um, he, he tackles, uh, if you want to know details of stuff, this is the book for you. He tackles things, uh, some of the trendy stuff that's gone on around. Um, uh, anyway, there's a whole bunch of things out there. I just think he talks sanity, but he talks biblical reality. So this is the book I would recommend above everything else. Okay. I think we need to come back then to this passage Now, we uh, need to have a, a look at this. Uh, again, I think what we should see when we are looking at this subject of the de- de- demons is this, that Jesus has total authority. So actually, what we look at, more, more than the casting out of demons, what we have to look at is the fact that God has total authority over them. Because what he's interested in is bringing freedom into people's lives. Can everyone say freedom? Freedom. Oh, good, that's excellent. Um, you could do that with a Scottish accent, then we go somewhere else, yeah. Hi, Hi, you know what I mean? <laughs> so Jesus is really interested in freedom. That's what he's really after. So that's what we're looking at. This is an example of freedom coming to people's lives. Now, um, uh, we're seeing this demon actually respond. Um, and let me just tell you another story. I, I, I met a... I used to gather with a group of prophetic people um, who came from various parts of Kent. And um, uh, one of the people on this uh, little group that we used to meet at, a very wonderful lady, very prophetic. And she said a few years ago, God began to show her a bit more about this subject. So she began to see things uh, on people and in situations. It's not for everyone, but it was clearly for her. And she didn't like it. And she said, oh, I, I really hated this whole thing that God was showing me more about this world, this, this uh, you know, forces of, of, of evil in, in heavenly places. And she said, I'm, I'm seeing stuff and I didn't like it. I could see things on people. But then she said, what happened is I realized that when I began to pray for those people, they got free. Yeah. So she turned from not liking it to liking it. Because she realized what God wanted to do was bring freedom into somebody's life. And that's the point. These uh, demons are designed to keep people captive. They're designed to keep people uh, in bondage. And Jesus is saying, I'm not having that. That is not in accord with my will. Get out. So that's why he's come. So that's, I think, out of this whole passage, that's the primary thing I'd like you to take away about demons. That God has total authority over them. Now, observe. When he says to, says to these uh, demons, come out of him. He comes out. When he says, be silent, he is silent. He is silent. So um, the other thing I want to look at for this passage, that is, we need to see the reaction of uh, this uh, demonic being. Because it says, ha, ha, or that could mean, that could mean, leave us alone. What have you come to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? What emotion would you say that's reflecting? Fear. Fear. The demon is terrified that Jesus has turned up. Can I say, as Christians, you have the Holy Spirit in you. When you go into a room, if there's anything demonic there, it is terrified of you. You are really threatening and powerful because you could kick it out. Okay? So it's the one that needs to be frightened, not us. Okay. John Wimber, who remembers John Wimber? Yeah, yeah, John Wimber was a, a wonderful uh, Christian guy in the 1980s in particular, I guess. And he used to say, I'm much less interested in, with what a demon can do to a Christian. I'm much more interested in what a Christian can do to a demon. So what's happening here? Well, Jesus has gone into this uh, synagogue. And the pre- in other words, the presence of God now has filled that synagogue. And what has it done? It has intentionally provoked something that's evil. Uh, in the presence of God demons can't hide Uh, Dave in his book very interestingly says his general experience is that demons want to hide mainly they want to keep their head down because that's safer for them but uh, sometimes when the presence of God comes if there is a demonic force there the presence of God means that it is provoked now what does this demon try to do so it expresses its fear it then says I know who you are the Holy One of God And actually, if you notice, that's the same thing that other demons say a little bit later on. Uh, In this passage here, it says, uh, top line, And the demons came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak. So in other words, what these demons are demonstrating is that they are intelligent. They have a tactic towards Jesus. And they're all saying, let's all say, call him out. Because it's true, Jesus is the Son of God. And he is the Holy One. So why are they calling out that? The reason they're calling that out is because in the first century, Israel, if you claim to be the Son of God, you will be accused of blasphemy and put to death. And that's what they want. That's what they're seeking to get. They want Jesus dead. That's why they're shouting it out. And that's why Jesus says, be silent. Okay. Just then, perhaps just to say, you know, when the disciples started to move in this area, just like healing really, they don't always get it right, do they? Do they? they? There are times when, yeah, inevitably. there are times when they try and drive something out of someone and they fail, and they go back to Jesus and say, "We didn't. "Oh, I can do that. It's too difficult." Not quite like that, but um, um, <clears throat> that's going to be the same for us. You know, I think back of uh, when we started to pray for the sick. How many of you prayed for someone and nothing's happened? (laughs) Yeah. That means you're learning. That's what that means. That's where we all start. We pray. We think, oh, I don't know. Let's give it a go. And then as we go forward, eventually we start to see people healed, don't we? How many of you now have prayed for someone and seen them healed? Yeah, not so many, but a good number. Okay. But you have to start there to get there. Now, with this subject... I would suggest we won't always get it right. But we do need to understand there is a process of learning. And therefore, let's not give up. Okay, you all right? Is anybody frightened? Oh, okay, that's good. (laughs) That's good. Okay. Um, One other quick thing that really encouraged me about this passage is this. Uh, Not that one. Simon's mother-in-law, uh, they go to Jesus and say, look, uh, she's got a fever. And he stood over her and he rebukes the fever and she is immediately healed. You know, it's often I read in the Bible, I think, oh, it'd be nice one day to see that kind of stuff. But it occurred to me recently with Julian's back and with Gabriella, and her voice, we have seen instantaneous healing. And I looked at that and I thought, hang on a minute, we're doing that. The things that Jesus are doing, we are doing. Does that encourage you? Oh, that's good. Well, I was very encouraged by that. Okay. Lastly, then, I just want to move on to the the farewell. Jesus, then, uh, has made such a difference in this town, that they are desperate for him to stay. They have enjoyed so much healing and so much freedom. They are thinking, oh, this man is amazing. We never want him to go. Then Jesus uh, says to them, look, I do need to leave. And he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to other towns as well. That's why I was sent. You know, it is wonderful to be healed, isn't it? Who here has been healed or experienced healing? Yes. It's wonderful to be healed. And it's wonderful to be set free from uh, some kind of um, captivity that you're in, isn't it? It's wonderful to be set free. But I I just want to say this. There's something even more important than that for you. And that is salvation. Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God. Uh, The Bible's very clear. There are really two worlds It describes it like this. There is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. There really are two options. And the bad news is that everybody is born into the kingdom of darkness. You know that, don't you? Everybody is born here. But the good news is you can now, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, move from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. You can do it. And the way that happens is when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That happens when you say, Jesus, I recognize that I have done stuff wrong in my life. Please will you forgive me for the stuff that I have done. I acknowledge that you are the Lord and I bow my knee and I give my life to you. (coughs) Which kingdom are you in right now? Where are you? Have you made the transition from the kingdom of dark to the kingdom of light? If you haven't, can I just urge you to do it? I urge you with all my heart. It has eternal consequences for you. It has eternal consequences. There is no more important decision that you will ever make in your life over anything than whether you receive Christ as Lord and Savior or not. It's just so important. It's a a message that our town needs to hear. It's a message that everyone who has not received needs to hear. And I just want to urge you, if you haven't done it this morning, please will you do it? In fact, let's just close our eyes right now. And we're going to pray. So I just want to give you that opportunity. If you're here, maybe you're a visitor. Maybe you've never received Christ. Maybe you want to make the leap. Maybe you've even this morning understood, yeah, there's truth in this. Some stuff I don't understand, but there is truth in this. If you would like to know Jesus as Lord, if you would like your sin to be forgiven, can I ask everyone to close their eyes? Can I ask you then, if you would like that, to put your hand in the air? Just a wave at me, don't, not very high. If you haven't already done it, Well done, thank you. Okay, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm just going to invite you to join in. Uh, you don't have to say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I acknowledge that you are the Lord God Almighty. I ask you to come into my life thank you that you love me thank you that you are a good kind heavenly father and now I seek to walk with you for the rest of my life in Jesus name amen let's just pray about some of this other stuff as well father we just again commit this whole area of what it means to be a disciple We want to see the lost saved father, but we also want to see the sick healed and those who are in captivity set free. If you know that you're someone who basically has lived in Nazareth, you don't like going deeper with God. You uh, have never really experienced anything of his power. You have no conviction that the word of God is powerful and has authority. If you know that's you, can I ask you, all eyes closed, please, would you put your hands up? Father, I want to pray right now for your children, and I want to ask you, Father, would you take us forward in this area? Father, would you enable us, please, to be disciples in the way that you have intended us to be? Holy Spirit, would you cause us to be involved with deliverance? Would you cause us to be involved with healing? And would you cause us to be involved with people being uh, saved? Father, I'm asking for your fresh outpouring on us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.